listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast, the podcast for coaches, leaders and academics who are interested in translating research into practice. Each episode, I discuss a brand new piece of cutting-edge research and translate the findings with suggestions of how you can incorporate the research into your practice. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca J. Jones. Now, on with today's show. Hi, in today's episode, I discuss a piece of research in response to a listener's question. My first listener's question, which is very exciting. Anna sent me a message via LinkedIn and she asks, I would love to hear some content on coaching people who are working in multicultural, multinational teams. I've struggled to find much info on how best to support people trying to navigate new cultural norms and try fitting in. Well, firstly, thank you, Anna, for sending me this question, and it is my pleasure to explore this for you. I've had a search through the literature and I found a really interesting paper that I'm going to talk about today, which I hope will give you some ideas as to how to deal with this issue when you're coaching. So the paper that I'm talking about today is called The Psychological Process of Cultural Retooling, which was written by Andrew Malinsky and was published in the Academy of Management Journal in 2013. And I'll put a link to the paper in the show notes. So the author starts this paper by describing how the successful adaption to the norms of a new culture is important as it helps avoid the negative repercussions of engaging in culturally inappropriate behaviour. And adapting to the cultural norms of the new country also increases the likelihood of fitting in and being an effective and persuasive collaborator on a cross-cultural team. And the author Malinsky refers to this process as retooling. And this process of retooling can be drastic and costly to the individuals as they can experience intense internal conflicts when the norms for appropriate new behaviour in a new culture conflict um, with their deeply ingrained values and beliefs from their native cultural setting. And so the purpose of the present study that I'm talking about today was to understand how individuals learning new cultural behaviours for the purpose of functioning effectively when working in a foreign culture manage these internal conflicts throughout this retooling process. So to explore this, the author developed a semester-long classroom project at an internationally focused business school in the US in which the author intensively studied the experience of 50 foreign-born MBA and MA students as they were learning to adapt their behaviour in specific situations to accommodate the norms of the American workplace. And the project enabled the author to gather close to real-time data from a range of foreign-born individuals learning to adapt behaviour to situations that posed an intense internal conflict with their existing values and beliefs. The project required each foreign-born student participant to choose a situation in the US that met certain criteria. So firstly, the situation had to have unfamiliar norms that differed substantially from the norms for acceptable behaviour for the same situation in the participant's native cultural setting. Second, the new cultural norms had to present a significant cultural conflict with the participant's native cultural values. And given natural variation in the extent to which individuals from a given culture adhere to their native cultural values, participants themselves were asked to select a situation that for them was both personally and culturally 
culturally discrepant. So alongside the first two criteria, a third requirement was that the situation had to be personally and professionally meaningful to participants so that they would be motivated to behave effectively despite the internal distress that they experienced. And finally, the situation had to be naturally occurring rather than simulated. So, for example, participants learning to promote themselves at informal networking events or career fairs needed to find actual networking events or career fairs in the local area to practice their new skills rather than uh, simulated versions of these situations. So participants were 50% women who came from 24 countries and had already spent an average of uh, one and a half years in the US already. Uh, the data set in this study emerged from the behavioural portion of the project and this required participants to adapt or switch their behaviour three times across eight weeks at two to three week intervals. As soon as possible after having adapted or switched behaviour, participants were asked to complete a diary style reflective exercise which was called the switching experience sheet and this constituted the data source. So the reflective exercise asked participants to detail their psychological experience and the ways in which they managed this experience. And this final data set included 150 episodes of cultural adaption, which was 50 participants with three switching events each. And the author then analysed these to identify the themes which are discussed next. So in terms of what the author Malinsky found, he found that the analysis showed two sources of internal conflict for the participants. Value discrepancy, uh, which was the fact that a new behaviour was inconsistent with the participants' culturally ingrained values from their native cultural setting. And routine discrepancy, the fact that the behaviour also diverged from participants' accustomed behavioural routines. And these two sources of internal conflict resulted in two distinct psychological states, experienced illegitimacy and experienced awkwardness, and each reflected a different side of participants' experience and appraisal of internal conflict when trying to adapt to a new cultural behaviour. So experienced illegitimacy captured the distressing experience for individuals of having to engage in behaviour that felt inconsistent with their core values and beliefs, and they therefore felt illegitimate in their behaviour. So experienced awkwardness, on the other hand, um, captured the fact that in engaging in the new behaviour, participants had to diverge from their ingrained behavioural routines or their normal way of behaving in a certain situation, and that therefore felt awkward in their behaviour. And participants used terms such as strange, foreign and awkward to describe this psychological state of having to engage in behaviour that they simply were not used to performing. So not surprisingly, many participants experienced both psychological states simultaneously, experiencing themselves as awkward because of the discrepancy between the new behaviour and their ingrained cultural norms, and as illegitimate because these norms also violated their culturally ingrained values and beliefs. And these two psychological states of illegitimacy and awkwardness resulted in overall feelings of inauthenticity among participants. 
However, the author found that these experiences of internal conflict didn't persist for all participants. In relation to changes that occurred in participants' experiences over time, three phases were identified. The deep conflict phase, where participants experienced high levels of both illegitimacy and awkwardness. The ambivalence phase, where participants experienced moderate levels of both illegitimacy and awkwardness. And the authenticity phase, marked by low levels of both characteristics. Overall, participants' experience in the deep conflict phase translated predominantly into negative emotion. But the author reports that at some point by the second or third switch, many participants reported a shift in their experience. So rather than feeling entirely uncomfortable engaging in the new behaviour, many individuals began to experience the behaviour as less inappropriate and more natural to perform. And the author termed this phase ambivalence because individuals' feelings and experiences had changed, but not entirely. The author defines the ambivalence in this context as the experience of having simultaneously positive and negative experiences of the act of switching cultural behaviour. And overall, individuals were starting to feel more positive about engaging in the new behaviour, which is shown in the higher percentage of positive emotions reported and decreasing negative emotions. And individuals at this phase were starting to feel happy and enthusiastic about engaging in the new behaviour and proud of their ability to do so and relieved and relaxed as they no longer had to grapple internally with the same level of internal conflict as they did initially. And finally, for a small set of participants, the authenticity phase represented a major milestone in their psychological experience. And participants described authenticity with terms such as remaining me and feeling myself and living and enjoying my experience and becoming second nature. So participants at this stage reported experiencing an overwhelming amount of positive emotion. The author then described how participants addressed the internal conflict that they experienced and described two distinct approaches, the integrative approach and the instrumental approach. So participants who adopted an integrative approach were deeply motivated to resolve internal conflict. And they used two specific techniques to achieve this integration, self-licensing and personalizing. So self-licensing addressed what's called value discrepancy, the side of internal conflict resulting from a conflict between how the individual had to behave in the new cultural setting and deeply held values and beliefs about how they should behave. So through self-licensing, individuals were able to legitimise value-conflicting behaviour and authorise themselves to perform it. They were able to transform their experience of engaging the behaviour from one of illegitimacy to one of legitimacy, therefore facilitating a more authentic adaption experience. And self-licensing entailed a two-step process, embracing the new culture's way of perceiving and interpreting the behaviour and accepting its legitimacy in that cultural setting. So, Whereas self-licensing worked on reversing the psychological experience of illegitimacy, the second technique to resolve internal conflict, 
personalising addressed the experience of awkwardness that resulted from behaviour diverging so significantly from a natural and comfortable behavioural routine. So by making small but personally meaningful adjustments in their performance of the behaviour itself, individuals were able to feel more genuine and natural engaging in the behaviour and therefore felt more authentic. So Malinsky reports that when dealing with internal conflict over adapting to a new culture, individuals who adopt what he calls an integrative approach use self-licensing to legitimise the new behaviour in their own mind and personalising to tailor the new behaviour so that they felt more comfortable with it. The author also found that as participants' psychological perceptions and experiences changed through personalising and self-licensing, their emotions also changed, moving from mostly negative to mostly positive emotions. The other approach to dealing with the internal self-conflict was the instrumental approach. And participants using an instrumental approach were motivated by different concerns than those who adopted an integrative approach. Whereas integrative participants were committed to finding ways of addressing and ultimately resolving the underlying source of the conflict they experienced, participants who adopted an instrumental perspective were motivated by the immediate concern of getting the task done. Their focus was on controlling emotions and their detrimental effect on performance in the very short term, as opposed to resolving the underlying conflict generating the disruptive emotions in the first place. Again, the author describes two techniques or strategies with this instrumental approach. The first is necessitizing, which means convincing yourself of the critical importance of switching cultural behaviour and then using this sense of urgency as a tool for forcing yourself to fight through psychological discomfort. Unlike self-licensing, necessitizing did not truly address the value discrepancy source of internal conflict, rather it merely helped participants fight through the resulting discomfort. The second instrumental technique was suppressing. Suppressing entailed a combination of forcibly silencing inner discomfort about behaving contrary to one's values and beliefs while simultaneously acting the part externally in order to conform to the new culture. So the instrumental approach focused on managing the surface level manifestations of internal conflict as opposed to its root causes. Therefore, rather than reversing a person's negative experiences of awkwardness associated with routine discrepancy, the suppressing tactic merely helped individuals cope with its immediate negative emotional effects. Consequently, participants primarily relying on this approach were able to perform the offending behaviour, but not alter the fundamental cultural conflict that they experienced or the corresponding psychological states that resulted from this conflict. So that participants using this instrumental approach experienced the behaviour as illegitimate and awkward both before and after switching. So the author suggests that it's in terms of practical recommendations and implications, that it's critical for organisations to help employees diagnose the source of the challenges that they experience in such um, culturally, culturally diverse situations. So does the situation, for example, require an employee to act in a manner that is in conflict with their culturally ingrained values and beliefs, which means it feels illegitimate to perform? 
If this is the case, it's important to help individuals understand what exactly about the new behaviour feels illegitimate. Is it the content of the new behaviour, the style perhaps? And if it is the style, what particular aspects of the style feel illegitimate? If the behaviour feels awkward to perform, employees might also be encouraged to understand what in particular about the behaviour feels awkward. Do all aspects of the behaviour feel equally awkward, for example, or are there aspects that actually feel quite natural to perform? Understanding the source of the conflict at a relatively specific level is a critical first step, Malinsky argues, in helping employees to develop ways of managing that conflict. The author suggests that the second stage after diagnosis is to work on helping employees develop their own personalised way of managing the psychological challenges that they will face because of the required behaviour. Organisations can help employees understand why the new behaviour is legitimate in their new cultural setting, even though that behaviour may feel illegitimate from the perspective of the employee's uh, system of culturally ingrained values and beliefs which should then encourage the self-licensing technique. Employers should also help employees to learn to personalise their behaviour in a way that makes it feel more genuine and natural to perform, while also remaining within the zone of appropriateness for behaviour in their new culture. Organisations should also take great care to help individuals practice and rehearse this new approach, ideally in situations with dynamics as close to the real situation as possible, so that individuals will be exposed to the psychological challenges that they will ultimately face in performance situations. So for me, translating these findings into coaching conversations, or for leaders working with teams that include employees that are struggling to adapt to a new culture, one of the first steps is to acknowledge and educate the team members that working effectively in a new culture takes more than just understanding what the new cultural norms are. And this study has shown that even though the participants were aware of the new cultural norms, the change in their behaviour was not automatic or easy for them and actually involved for some experiencing negative psychological conflict. So by raising awareness within the team, particularly for those employees who have never worked internationally and therefore may not have an understanding of these cross-cultural challenges, is the first step. And team coaching in particular is well placed to provide a forum in which these issues can be discussed in an honest and open environment and awareness can be raised. And the coach or leader can then work with employees as individuals and also the team as a whole in terms of encouraging self-licensing to reduce feelings of illegitimacy by understanding why this new behaviour is an essential element of functioning effectively in the new culture and identifying ways in which the behaviour can be personalised to reduce awkwardness. So that concludes today's episode of the Coaching Academic Podcast. Thank you once again to Anna for posing this question. If anyone has an issue that they would like me to answer in a future episode by translating the research into practice, then please get in touch either via my website, LinkedIn or Twitter. And just to remind you, in today's episode, I was discussing the psychological process of cultural retooling, which was written by Andrew Malinsky and was published in the Academy of Management Journal in 2013. As always, I'll include a link to the paper in the show notes. I'm Rebecca Jones. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.
Thanks for listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast. If you're interested in reading my research, sponsoring the show, or in hiring me as a researcher, coach, or speaker, check out my website, www.rebeccajjones.co.uk. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review in iTunes and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a question you'd like me to answer in a future show, then please get in touch via my website. Finally, you can connect with me on Twitter at coach underscore research. Thanks for listening.